0: the question i would like to ponder today is are you a happy person are you a happy person maybe you have everything this world says that you should have that would make you happy but you're not happy Maybe you're a person who rejects what the world must say you have to make you happy. And the fact is, you are very happy. If, you've in the, if you're in the latter category this morning, I would assume that you understand what the Bible says about happiness. The Bible addresses the topic of happiness, but it looks at it a very, very different way. The English word blessed, which is translated from the Hebrew uh, ishah, is literally how happy. Blessed and happy are biblically interchangeable this morning. God tells us that if we want to be happy people, it will be a result of doing certain things and not doing certain things. Psalm chapter 1 verses 1 to 2 said, Blessed or how happy is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinners or sit in the seat of the mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he he meditates day and night. Psalm 112 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed or how happy is the one who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. To be a happy person, you need to delight in the commandments of the Lord. That is why a non-believer will never find true happiness. The devil has his cheap counterfeits. Out there, there are are many, many cheap counterfeits, but they are shallow and they are short-lived. The most unhappy people in this world are people trying to live and be happy. The most happiest people in this world are those who seek to be holy. Now the word holy means to be set apart for a purpose. This is the understanding that my life is set apart for the things, not for the things of this world. My mind is set apart not for the things of this world. My mind is set apart from My body, sorry, is set apart from the things of this world, not for the things of this world. My income, my finances are set apart from the things of this world. Not that you have become so religious, not that you have become so pious, but now your life has true meaning and true purpose. It has been set aside. You have set your life aside for God's purpose. And that's the correct definition of holy. That's the biblical definition of holy. So my Bible tells me that true happiness is a byproduct of seeking God and seeking to do his holy will, seeking holiness. This was the true intention this morning of the Ten Commandments, to give people, to give God's people purpose and happiness and fulfilled lives. So as we discussed last week, the Lord summoned Moses to Mount Sinai to give him these commandments written by the very finger of God on tablets of stone. And as we discussed and discovered, the Ten Commandments can be broken into two parts. The first four parts communicate my relationship with God. The second six commandments communicate my relationship with others. So Jesus put it all together for us when he said these words in Matthew chapter 2, verses 36 to 39. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. In doing this, you will essentially fulfil the Ten Commandments. So quickly, let's have a review. Number one, God said to have no other gods before him. He wants to be number one. In your life, a God or an idol is anyone or anything that takes the place of the true God in your life. Number two, we are to have no graven images. We as believers don't need statues or religious icons or or, 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 or anything like that to remind us of God. God is spirit and those who worship him, worship him in spirit and truth. So let's kick off with our third commandment. Commandment number three, Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 says, You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. This is one of the most misunderstood of the Ten Commandments and one that can be easily broken. It's interesting that God says, do not misuse or take my name in vain. Why does he say that? He says that because God's name is important to him. His name has the power to rescue. His name has the power to forgive. His name has the power to cleanse. People who say that they have no faith at all will invoke the name of Jesus Christ. If you want to get anyone's attention... Just say Jesus Christ. I tell you that now. Do it in the mall. They'll all turn around and look at you. (laughs) Philippians chapter 2 verse 9. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God's name is important to him. Names are important to us. Parents will rack their brains and labour over what they should call their babies, don't they? I was looking at a website recently that highlighted the most popular babies' names. So the most popular names in the United States for boys and girls in 2023. For girls, the number one name is Olivia, followed by Emma. Amelia and Sophia. Now, also I noticed that stone and gem names are starting to make a return, like Amber, Jade, Diamond and Crystal. For boys, the five most popular names are Liam, Noah, Oliver, James and Neil Taylor, (laughs) which I found really interesting. Not just Neil, but Neil Taylor. Then there are those cruel parents who don't think about the first and last name and how they fit together, yeah? The Turner family who called their daughter Paige. (laughs) Then there's the Peace family who named their son Warren. (laughs) Then there's the Case family who named their son Justin. And the (laughs) Poole family who named their son Gene. But the best of all was the, the Murray family who named their son Callum calamari. I'll be here all night, okay? Let's get back to some sensibility. God is serious about his name. We have laws in this country against slandering a person's name. Because if you slander a person's name, you slander... What do you slander? You slander them as an individual, don't you? You slander their character. And so in our text, God is giving us fair warning and saying, If you hold me in contempt, if you drag my name through the mud, there is a penalty. Verse 7, The Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. This is not an idle threat. It's, it's a statement of fact. God is laying down an unchangeable truth, not unlike the law of gravity. If you step off a 20-storey building, what's going to happen? You'll fall to your death. It's not a threat, it's a simple statement of fact. God is saying, if you drag my name through the mud, if you disgrace my name, if you use my name in vain, you will not be held guiltless or go unpunished. Now I shudder when I hear the way some people seem to go out of their way to take the Lord's name in vain or to challenge God's holiness. When you read in scripture how the angels in heaven declare holy, holy, holy is the name of the Lord God Almighty. So the question is, how do we misuse the name of God? By swearing by his name? You know, I swear to God that I'm telling you the truth. Why do we swear to God? Probably because our word is not reliable. Probably because we can't keep our word. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 37, Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. If you say you're going to do something, just do it. There was a day when a man's word was his bond, wasn't it? I can remember that as a kid. My dad told me that. A man's word is when you shake a man's hand, that's it. His word is his bond. Today, people don't have honour in what they say. Another way we can misuse the Lord's name is to say, oh my God, or oh God. Cursing is the most obvious way, and we all know that God's last name is not damn, right? I cringe every time I hear people saying that. There's another way that when we, uh, that is when, we, when you say God's name carelessly, like, God, I can't believe that. Or we use his name to make a point. God, did you see that? And so all this and more is taking the Lord's name in vain. Now, sometimes people will use God's name to make a sale. Many years ago, when Giselle and I wanted to sell a condo that we owned, I had a real estate agent come around to give me some quotes and some, some, some advice. And you know, the guy saw my Bible on the coffee table and then started to get all religious. Like he wasn't religious before he came in the house, but once he saw the coffee table—sorry, saw the Bible on the coffee table—he got all religious and he started telling me that he believed in the power of God and that he would invoke the same power to sell my condo and get the best price for us. And he was doing what—he uh, was using the name of the Lord in vain, misrepresenting God's name just to get a sale. He was using his religious conviction just to get business. So let's look at the definition of taking the Lord's name in vain. In vain means to do it in a way that is empty, that that is idle, that is insincere, and that is frivolous. Now let's talk about the worst way that you can take the Lord's name in vain. Through hypocrisy. Hypocrisy. The person who says, Lord, Lord, but does not keep his commandments jesus said in luke 6 46, why do you call me lord lord and do not do what i say one man said the hypocrisy of the church is worse than the profanity in the street it's worse to say you're a christian this morning and not live that way than the person who takes the lord's name in vain in the most obvious ways Let's have a look at commandment number four. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. This commandment has produced more confusion and more misunderstanding and hard feelings than any of the others. So let's find out what it is and what it is not. First of all, this commandment was given specifically to the Jewish people. The Sabbath day, the seventh day, Saturday, was a day of total rest. This commandment does not apply in its literal form to a Christian living in a new covenant situation. So let's quickly look at four reasons why that is. Number one, it's the only commandment which isn't repeated in the New Testament. All the others are repeated and some are even given greater weight by Jesus... But breaking the Sabbath is never mentioned. That's because it was given to the Jews and not to the Gentiles or the non-Jews. Number two, Jesus never taught anyone to keep the Sabbath. In fact, he was accused of Sabbath violation. That was one of the accusations that the religious leaders used to crucify him. The whole thing the religious leaders twisted and perverted the true meaning of the Sabbath and turned the whole thing into a total religious mess. So Jesus reminds the religious leaders that man wasn't made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. So it's sad how legalistic religion can twist the ways that we approach God this morning. Number three, the apostles never taught anyone to keep the Sabbath. In fact, they began keeping the Sabbath or a Sabbath on the first day of the week, which was Sunday, because that is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. The apostles spoke against turning the Jewish Sabbath into a religious law for Christians. Colossians chapter 2 verse 16 to 17 says, Therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or, regarding, or regards to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. These are shadows of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. The Sabbath was fulfilled in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Hebrews chapter 4 verses 9 to 11 says, So there is a special rest or Sabbath rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who enter into God's rest will find rest from their labors. Just as God rested and after creating the world, let us do our best to enter that, re- that place of rest. So the Sabbath was a shadow of things to come. Jesus this morning is the real thing. Everything the Sabbath was pointing to was, for- was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. All other world religions essentially say you have to do you have to fulfill. Jesus said, it is done. It is done. Enter into, my, into the finished work of Jesus Christ. Enter into the promise. Enter into your rest. And number four, the message and idea of the Sabbath day is still relevant. It's still relevant to our lives. Having a day set apart for, for, for god is still a valid bible message a day when you unplug a day when you recharge unplug from the distractions and the pace of this world and recharge yourself spiritually a day to focus on who god is and as christ's followers a day uh you know that has historically been a sunday now, we come to our next commandment, and this is the first of the final six, the horizontal commandments. The first four, we, we have that, that they have to do with our relationship with God. They are vertical. But the final six deal with our relationship with people. So verse 12 says, Honour your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. It's interesting because following this, we have you shall not murder. Then we we deal with not committing adultery. Then not stealing and not lying and not coveting. But before God gets to the other human relationships, he begins with the family. The family is very important to God. Few things can bring us much pleasure in life as our families. Few things can bring us much pain in our lives as our families. Kids have problems with parents and parents have problems with kids. And when it's all said and done, families are important. God created the family. Our very existence in society and as a society is dependent on the success of the family. One man says a family can survive without a nation, but a nation cannot survive without families. This is why Satan hates families so much and does everything he can to undermine the success of the families. Teen pregnancy is increasing year on year. Some communities, these pregnant teens and their parents are looked at as role models uh, by their peers. The crazy thing is... Having a mum and dad at home which who love one another and are, and are not divorced is, is more of a curiosity today, isn't it, than the normal than the norm within our culture. So the word honor in the original Hebrew language that the commandments were originally written in means to be heavy, to add weight. The word picture Look, if we look at it as a word picture, it, talks about, it looks at it and paints the picture of numerous, richly, abounding in greatness and glory. So two thoughts on this. There is a weight and a heaviness to being a parent. It never stops. Even when your children are older, you are still parenting. You are still thinking about them and you are still have concerns for them. The first thought is that the weight of parental responsibility. That's the first thought. There's a weight of, repent, of parental responsibility. The second thought is the weight that the children should give to their parents. Examples. The richness of their teaching. Their great sacrifice. Their abounding love. And then passing these... The, 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 the Parents pass Christian truths. Onto the next generation, even grandparents to the next generation, adding weight, adding greatness, fulfilling the Hebrew word honour. We don't have time to unpack all that meaning behind those words, those two words and what they represent, but I think you get the, the general flow of when God says, honour your father and mother. Commandment number 6, verse 13, you shall not murder. Now, if there was a commandment that was ignored, it's this one. Every time I open a newspaper or turn on the radio, especially on a Monday morning, I'm being informed and confronted with information about people who have become violent crime victims in our city and in our communities. This commandment obviously forbids the taking of another human life for no justifiable reason. The Bible does not condemn killing. Sometimes people misinterpret this scripture and say, thou shalt not kill. The inference is that all war is wrong and all use of force is wrong. But the best translation from the original Hebrew is, you shall not murder. All murder is killing, but all killing is not murder. There are times when Death is permissible, but not desirable. Self-defence is one of those. Another is in law enforcement and keeping the peace. And this includes our police and also our military. Romans 13 verse 1 says, Everybody must obey state authorities because no authority exists without God's permission. And the existing authorities have been put there by God. The scripture goes on to say that they are God's ministers. So let's look at the New Testament application to this command and let's bring it all home. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes the idea of murder a step further. Matthew 5, 21 to 22, it says, You have heard that it was said to people long ago. So he's talking about Moses, he's talking about the Israelites, he's talking about the Ten Commandments. He says, do not murder And anyone who murders shall be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. The word angry refers to vengeance, to wrath, to extreme hatred, wishing someone dead. Many people in the depths of their heart have anger and hatred to such a degree that their true desire is for the hated person to be dead. In other words, you don't have to be physically violent to be a murderer. Do you hear that? You don't have to be physically violent to be a murderer. If you are sitting here in this room this morning and you have just, I have just described to you how you feel about another person, then you need to understand it's the same as murder. But Pastor Neil, you don't understand what they have done to me. It's unforgivable what they did to me. Well, actually, that's not true. We cannot say that anything is unforgivable. Because if there is, then we are all in deep trouble. I put great hope this morning in the fact that every sin is forgivable. Because God poured out his wrath on Jesus as a punishment for every sin that has ever been committed. So we can be forgiven of all the sins that we have done. But you say, no, Pastor Neil, my hatred is justified. They deserve to die. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. It's not for us to hate. It is not for us to hate. Ephesians 4:31 to 32 says get rid of all bitterness rage and anger brawling and slander along with every form of malice be kind and compassionate to one another forgive each other just as as in Christ God forgave you I have a hard time understanding how a person can dedicate their life to the destruction of another person I don't know how they can say in their hearts, my mission in life is to undermine and slander and to bring this person down. Let God deal with them. Let God deal with them and take heed to yourself that you do not miss heaven. Any honest look at the Ten Commandments immediately makes us aware of our lack of and our need for God. The Ten Commandments were given well, sorry, the Ten Commandments were not given to make us righteous. In fact, the Ten Commandments show us our need for a Saviour. Galatians three, four says that the Ten Commandments were given as a schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. The idea being that the commandments open my eyes and they shut my mouth. So for any self-righteous person who thinks that they have it all together, one honest look at the Ten Commandments reveals they have fallen short. So this morning, as the music plays softly, there is not one of us who can meet the righteous standards of God. But at the cross of Calvary, Jesus paid the price for every wrong that I have done. If I would turn from that sin and put my faith in him, I can be forgiven. I'm wondering if some of you have been troubled today. As we've talked, it's crossed your mind. I've misused God's name so many times. Perhaps you came to a point in your heart of hearts and you now acknowledge that you have perhaps hatred in your heart for someone right now. Maybe maybe in one or more of these areas that you have fallen short, you haven't honoured your father, you haven't honoured your mother. Or maybe you haven't been an honourable father or maybe you haven't been an honourable mother. Whatever it is, You need to come to the Lord and say, I'm sorry. And I turn from that sin and I ask you, Lord, for the forgiveness that you so freely give. If that's you this morning and you need help with prayer, it would be my privilege to pray with you and to help you. So I want you to do something this morning. This altar space will be open as the music continues to play. So please, if you need help with prayer in any of those areas this morning, please just stand, leave your seat, come to the front, and it would be a privilege for me and for the other clergy and anyone else who is part of the intercessory team to come and pray and help you with that situation you have where you need forgiveness or you need prayer and guidance. In So please, if that is you just right now, please stand. Come to the front and it would be a massive privilege for us to pray with you this morning.